Amen, amen. Come on, why don't we give God a great shout tonight? Come on tonight, why don't you get something out of it? God, we praise you, we honor you. Come on, why don't we spend a minute right now just praising Jesus like we never praised him before? Come on, tonight everything can change for you. Tonight everything can shift for you. Tonight God can move in your life. He can turn your morning into dancing. He can bring life into your world. Come on, I believe it. Let's give God one big shout tonight. God, we honor you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Just stay standing for a moment. Can you just lift your hands tonight? Lift your hands and let God move in your heart and in your life. Do you know that what you get out of the message is all determined by what you put into the message? It's all determined by your posture and your expectation. So tonight, what are you expecting? What are you expecting God to do? Did you come in here just saying, you know what, I'm not expecting much? Well, then could you for the next minute before I start preaching change what your expectation is? Because if you can expect, okay, God, I'm... It's hard for me to believe, but I'm expecting you. I'm expecting something. I'm expecting you to resurrect that thing that was dead. I'm expecting you to move like you never moved. I'm expecting you to bring things back together again. I'm expecting you, God, tonight. Can we raise our level of expectation? Because when we raise our level of expectation, the miraculous starts becoming normal. What was impossible starts becoming every single day. Come on, I believe it tonight. Come on, Kiwana Waters, I believe it that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think or imagine God is in this place and he's ready to do it he's ready to bring a miracle he's ready to heal your hurt he's ready to resurrect the dead thing in your world come on let's praise him come on God we expect it God we worship you God we praise you God we're excited for what you're going to do tonight come on God we worship Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let him move in your life tonight. What, what, if, what if just tonight you let all the guards down, let all the walls down, the hurts, the pains, and tonight you come in and say, okay, God, tonight, tonight move in my life. You might not even know who God is. You might have walked in here not even believing in God. It's okay. He can still move in your life. He can move in your heart. He can move in your life tonight. I believe it. God, tonight, do what you've never done in this place. I thank you that you're going to do a new thing. And you're going to do it now. A new thing in this city, a new thing in this church, a new thing in individuals' lives. Everywhere that Jesus went, he ministered and crowds gathered around him. 
Crowds gathered, thousands at times would gather around him. But the incredible thing about Jesus was this, in the middle of a crowd, he could find the one. In the middle of a crowd, he could find Zacchaeus. In the middle of a crowd, he could find somebody in need. So you might be in the middle of a crowd tonight and trying to just kind of sneak under the radar, but tonight God sees you. He sees what you're struggling with. He sees what you're dealing with. He sees what you're fed up with. He sees you, and tonight his one desire is to meet you where you are and to pull you up out of that mess that you're in. If you can open up your heart, I promise you tonight you will walk out of here lighter. You'll walk out of here more free. You'll walk out of here with a different spirit, believing that all things are possible with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, just, just before you, you take your seat, uh, I want to first honor your senior pastors because they are just phenomenal, aren't they? Can you put your hands together and honor your pastors, Pastor John and Danielle? Happy anniversary. We love you guys. Thank you so much. It is an unbelievable honor for me to be in, uh, in your pulpit, and uh, thank you so much for that opportunity. And as I was praying, uh, preparing, this was probably maybe 10 days ago. 10 days ago when I was praying and God, God gave me a word for your church as a whole. In, in San Diego, it's a big uh, military town, a big Navy town. In fact, one of the biggest in the world is in San Diego. And uh, every day ships will come in from out in the ocean into the port. They'll come in. And uh, to come in, they follow and there's these big green or red buoys, huge ones with lights on the top of them. And they're positioned in these places so that the ships know where to go. So they know where to go. They know what side. They know where it's deepest. They know how to get in. They need them because without them, they'll get lost. Without them, they'll run aground. Without them, bad things will happen. And as I was praying for the church and praying for what God was going to do, I saw that picture. I saw that picture of, of this house and this church being like one of those buoys being one of those markers where, where people who are lost, where people who are hurting, where people who don't know the way, with people don't know that you guys are going to be direction. And here's the cool thing. Okay, I saw that. And that was cool to begin with. But then I saw this. I saw as it was sitting there, like this wave come from the ocean, this swell come, and it lifted this thing up higher and higher and higher and higher. And now what was kind of easy to see now, every single person could see it. And now people who were so far lost were now being able to find their way, were able to find home, were able to get healing. And so over this church, you got to understand that that is a season that you guys are stepping into that season where God's going to bring that swell. You've already been a light, but now God's about to bring that swell, and you're about to step into a season of incredible growth, incredible blessing, incredible miracles, incredible healings. God's going to do exceedingly abundantly above in every ministry, in kids, in youth, and young adults, in every ministry across the board. God is bringing it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now you can take your seat. You can take your seat. All right, the team's going to stay up with me tonight. I asked them to stay up with me, and uh, they're, they're amazing, so thank you for doing that. You guys are killing it already. You got an eagle on your shirt, just phenomenal. Uh, congratulations, handsome Dan. You guys are amazing. We love you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Believe in you guys. Just love people. Love the church. It's refreshing when you see people actually love the church, not because it's a job, but because it's a calling and it's their life, and that's what you guys do, and uh, it's amazing how much you love people, love the church, love your pastors, and uh, it's so refreshing to be around, so thank you so much for having me, for being here. 
It's been a great time. And uh, Katie, you're amazing. Those shoes are incredible. Look at those things. Did you make those? Looks like you could have. Those are incredible. Hey, um, could you just stand up? I just want to pray over you really quick. Um, in fact, just come here. Come up on stage. It's a little bit better for me because then I, otherwise I'd have to run down there and it'd be weird. But just lift, lift your hands. Uh, I've been wanting to, to pray for you for a couple days, but I believe tonight is the night where God is, is wanting to move in your life. And I see a picture of like these gears spinning, these gears spinning. And gears are only powerful when they're spinning, when, when they're interlocked with other gears and when they're engaged. And I see right now what you're stepping into is the gears are going to engage in your world and engage in your life. And I see you've been praying for it and these things have been spinning and these things have been moving. But now God is getting in play and now these things are going to come into alignment and things are going to start to shift like never before. And I see that, that people will use gears to move something very heavy that they couldn't move on their own. And I see because of that, you're about to move something that people have labored to move before. People have, have strived before and failed. People couldn't do. People, people kept falling short and couldn't make it happen. And I see God all over what you're about to do, all over ministry, all over life. And he's going to breathe on it and there's going to be an ease to it. He's going to move things that seem impossible. God says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. He's with you. He's for you. He's beside you. God is going to guide you. He, he goes with you into things. Step out in faith and believe. In fact, I see that God's giving you dreams. He's giving you things that I want to try this. I want to do this. And maybe fear is kind of holding you back. God says, don't, don't be afraid. Step out. Step out of the boat. Step into what he has for your life. And as you do, the Holy Spirit's going to breathe on it. You're going to lead the way for so many young adults and young adult pastors all around. Don't believe the lie that you can't. Don't believe the lie that it's not you. No, believe God, because with God, all things are possible. And God is looking for somebody who can just believe and who can just step out. So God, I thank Thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name for an anointing, an anointing to break open something in this city, an anointing to do what's never been done before. People have spoke, there's been words that have been spoken over the young adults of this city saying it's impossible, it's too difficult, it's too hard, it can't be done. And I see you taking that thing and busting those words open with the word of God. And I've seen young people coming to the house of God like never before, giving their lives. I see university students coming, flooding in buses to the house of God, services dedicated to young adults, giving their lives to Jesus. In the mighty name of God, I pray, an anointing come right now in Jesus' name. Fill her, transform her, let a fire burn in her heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, give God a shout tonight. You're amazing. All right, I'm running out of time. Should probably start preaching. Uh, Pastor John killed it this morning, didn't he? If you're here for it, if you weren't, podcast that message. That's like his life message, man. Inspires me every single time that, that I hear it. We have a mandate and a responsibility. A mandate and a responsibility. So uh, it's going to be cool. All right. Hey, before I get preaching, let me tell you a little bit about myself really quickly. I'm 34 years old. I know it doesn't look it. You're like, oh, I thought you were only 21. I'm actually 34. I'm 34. I know I look really good and, and all of that. I'm 34 years old. I've been married for almost 10 years now. Uh, I have three girls. I lost count for a minute because my wife's pregnant. I have three girls, and uh, they're going to show them on the screen. I have a four-year-old daughter named Adeline. 
She's on the far right. And then I, I have my two identical twins, Mila and Haven. I actually don't even know which one's which in this picture. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Anyways, Mila and Haven, that's them there again. Uh, Adeline, Mila, and Haven. Aren't they beautiful? I just miss them. Yeah, look just like their dad, don't they? There's my wife. She is just gorgeous, isn't she? So that, that's, that's my family. We've been married for 10 years. And uh, she's, she's about three inches taller than I am. People are like, do you have a problem with that? I'm like, no, I don't have a problem with that. How amazing am I? Like, like do you want her to wear high heels? I'm like, absolutely I want her to wear high heels. Because then I'm the guy with the girl who's like six foot two. Like, it's amazing. Anyways. So that's my family. She's definitely the better half, uh, one of the nicest, caring, prophetic people you'll ever meet in the world. Uh, that's, that's my wife. She's asleep right now. I actually, I sent her flowers um, yesterday. I ordered them, got them sent to her. They showed up at her house today. So I won major points right there. I can't say I was always like that. I've made a whole lot of mistakes. Like on our honeymoon, we're on our honeymoon, and we, um, we were virgins till we got married, and then obviously not after we got married, but we were virgins when we got married. And um, we were, spent our honeymoon together, and it was amazing. We were 24 years old. And uh, I remember maybe two days into the honeymoon, uh, I was talking to my wife, thinking, saying, babe, this is amazing. Like honeymoon, Cabo, we're in Mexico. It's all-inclusive resorts. This is the best time ever. I go, but think about how much more amazing it would be if all our friends were here. Your response shows me that you know that I was messing up real bad. You, you don't do that on your honeymoon, fellas. You got that. He was writing that down. <laughs> no friends on honeymoon. Don't do it. As great as, even if they suggest it, it's a trick. They're trying to trap you in a snare just to make you feel bad. So just, uh, just learn, learn from me. So uh, my wife's just amazing. All right. That's my family. That's my wife. I've been in ministry and, uh, in, in the church for a bunch of years now. Been at the church uh, three months after it started. Um, came up to Pastor Jurgen at a Wednesday night meeting. There was about 30 people in the room. And I came up to him and I, my heart came alive. My heart started beating like for the first time because there's a lot of people who are alive, but not a, lot, not a lot of people who are living. And it was at that moment that I went from just being alive to living. And I felt something move inside of my chest. And I went up to Pastor Jurgen after the service and I said, You don't know me, but whatever you need me to do, sign me up. I'll do do it. Whatever you need, whatever we're going. And that was 12 and a half years ago. And now we're, we're just changing the world and changing the game. And I get to be a part of it. And there's no other place I'd rather be. Just like Pastor John, ministry was not in our thoughts. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL killing terrorists. That's honest. That's all I wanted to do. That's like what, what I was living my life for. And that God intervened. God stepped in. God had a different plan for my life. And I'm so thankful that I'm doing what I'm doing now. Because I get to be a Navy SEAL for the kingdom of God and, and uh, wake people up, wake people up into their calling, their purpose, and what God has called you to do. Life is too short to live at 50%. Life is too short just to kind of make it. Life is too short to just exist. We got one life on this earth. Let's give the devil hell, huh? Let's give him hell. Jesus' name. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Stop distracting me. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read this quick, and then we're going to get into it. The title of this message tonight is called The In-Between. It's called The In-Between. I'm going to read this for you in a second. But what I've noticed is this, is all of us are born with a dream. 
All of us are born with, with a dream. When, when you're little, you have a dream. You, you, have the, you have this purpose. You know that there's a calling. You feel this thing. Even if, if you didn't know Jesus, you, you have a dream. You have a dream to be a doctor or, or a pastor or a professional athlete or, or something like that. All of us have that dream, and all of us feel like we have that purpose. And so I, I don't think it's so much about trying to find what our purpose is. I think it's trying to remember what our purpose was. Because along the way, we forgot what our purpose was. Along the way, we got stuck in that time, in between the time when God said it and then God delivers it. In between the time when God promises it and God delivers it. In that time when we got a dream about it and that we're stuck in the in-between. We're stuck in that middle place. We're stuck we're, we're in, that, in that holding place. And so this story is about that in Joshua chapter 6. This is now that Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and all the mighty men. You shall march around the city and you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This shall you, this shall you do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when they hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall any word proceed out of your mouth. Let me skip down to verse 13. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it. In verse 20, it says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Let me tell you about the, this story right here that we just read. In Joshua chapter 6 is a story. In the beginning of it, God promises it. He says, Joshua, I'm giving you the city. And in verse 20, we see the city being given to him. But what's more important than anything else in that story is what happens between verse 1 and verse 20. That's called the in-between. That's called the place that the majority of us are in right now. 
You're in that place. You're in that place where you got a promise from God. And maybe, maybe it's an addiction to a drug right now. And you feel like you have that promise from God. When is it my time? When am I going to get set free? When am I going to get delivered? Maybe it's your purpose. You're saying, man, I got a dream. I had a purpose. I had a plan. I had a destiny. I had this thing spoken over me. And now I'm in this place. It's been five years. It's been 10 years. Or maybe like Caleb, it's been 80 years. Maybe it's been so long, you've been stuck in this middle ground, you've been stuck in the in-between, and you don't know what to do. And if you were to be honest, you're just holding on. You're barely holding on, you're barely making, you don't know what to do, because you've been in the in-between too long. And we see this in this story right here. We see that they're in this waiting place, in this waiting room. I don't know if you've ever been to a waiting room before, in a hospital, but waiting rooms are horrible. They're horrible. They are the most uncomfortable chairs. The worst coffee ever. I mean, no place really in Australia has bad coffee. I'm just saying. Your 7-Eleven's coffee is better than our top shelf coffee in America. That's a re- I'm not even joking. So the hospital coffee, you can imagine how bad it is. Right? If there's sugar, there's no creamer. If there's creamer, there's no sugar. The coffee's been on there for about eight days. After eight days, they change it. That's how old the coffee is. There's got a television, but they got no channels that you like. And even if you do like some of the channels that are on there, you can't understand it because there's no remote control to turn up the volume. That's the waiting room, right? Now, now, now I, I say that to tell you that a lot of us, when we're in that position, when God has promised something, but we don't have it, we say that we're just waiting on God. That we're waiting on him and we think that waiting on God is just sitting and doing nothing. It's just folding our hands. It's just sitting back and just relaxing and just waiting for God to do something. Because we think it's just out of my hands and now it's just in God's hands. But when the Bible says I need you to wait on the Lord, he's not talking about W-A-I-T wait. He's not talking about just sitting down, folding your hands and just hoping that God does something in your life. Hoping that you just, by you just sitting there, God's going to move. No, God's not just talking about the W-A-I-T weight. He's talking about the W-E-I-G-H-T weight. See, the waiting room is not a place where we sit back and hopefully something happens. The wait room is a place where we get to work. The waiting room is the place where you say, God, I know you promised it, but you haven't delivered it yet. So I'm not in the waiting room. No, I'm in the wait room. I'm in the wait room. Why is the wait room? Because we're in the wait room so we can prepare ourselves for what God is about to give to you. If you don't have it yet, maybe, maybe it's because you're just not ready for it yet. Maybe it's not. Be- it's because you're not ready to carry the weight. Maybe it's because you're not ready to carry that thing that God is about to do for your life. And that's why we don't have it yet. We're waiting. God just bringing. God says, I'll bring it when you can keep it. So many times we don't get it. It's not because God doesn't want to give it. It's because God wants us to keep it. And he's wanting us to stay in the wait room for longer. But we were sitting in the waiting room where we got our feet up. We were nice and comfortable. We were just sitting back and waiting for God to do something. And God says, stop sitting back and waiting. Prepare for what I'm about to do for your life. See, we see a story here in the Bible. God says, see, I've given you Jericho, and I'm going to give it to you. But you're going to have to be stuck in that in-between. There's a waiting period. And in that waiting period, you got to work out. you got to get ready for what God is about to do for your life. There are so many people who are in here tonight and you're in that in-between right now and you're depressed, you're lonely, you're hurting. It's a dark place, but it shouldn't be a dark place. It's everything in that place. It's that journey. It's the weight room. It's where God is preparing you for the breakthrough that he's about to bring for your world. Don't sit there with your feet up. Get to work and prepare because as soon as you're ready, God is going to bring it. That's the weight room. It's the weight room. I want to encourage you tonight. 
that in the next few minutes that we have to, to maybe do something you've never done before. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to respond. And I know there's some people in here and maybe you just getting out of the in-between is you stepping out of your seat and coming forward. Maybe you getting out of the in-between is you raising up your hand and giving your life to God. I don't know what it is, but I know that God is wanting to take you from your dream and into your reality. He wants to prepare your heart. We had, we had a lady a few, uh, about a year ago, she messaged me maybe two weeks ago. She said, a year ago, I wasn't going to come to church. I didn't want anything to do with God. She said, I had about $200 left, and I was going to spend it all on drugs. She said, I was going to overdose, and that was it. She just messaged me saying this, but then she said, but instead, I went to church. She said she came to church because for years, she had been addicted to years. She was in the in-between. You can't tell me that she didn't have a dream when she was little. Purpose, a calling, something in her heart. But along the way, she got stuck. She came to church and she heard a message. She said she couldn't stop crying. She took that $200 that she was going to spend on drugs and she put it all in the offering. See, she messaged me because she said, today is my year anniversary of being clean and sober. She said, I was in the in-between. Now I'm in the promise. Tonight. Tonight. I want you to get into your promise. But we also don't want you to despise the in-between. A lot of us care so much about the destination, but God is caring about the journey that you're on right now. We spend our whole life trying to get to that place. And God says, no, you got to understand. you got to understand that the Jericho, the walls falling down, was not the, was not the thing that God was looking for. That was a result of the obedience, but that was cool. God could have just done that like that. He wasn't just trying to knock the walls down. No, he was trying to do something inside of the children of Israel. He was trying to do something in their spirit. He was trying to change paradigms. He was trying to change your spirit. He was trying to get them into that mindset saying, I can believe that all things are possible. God, I believe it. I'm ready for I'm ready for the promised land because you just did something in my in-between and now I'm ready for what you have for me. But a lot of us are in that place right now and we have to do just like the children of Israel. What are, what's our response supposed to be in the in-between? What should your response be? Is it just put our feet up and just wait for God? No, it's not. We have to prepare. And the children of Israel did just that. Joshua says, I need, I need some people to go out front of everybody else. He says, I need some priests with some ram's horns. In other words, I need some worshipers to go out front. Because in your in-between has to be a moment where we learn how to worship God. I'm not talking about just this fuzzy feeling, arms up, and just going after God. No, I'm talking about a warfare kind of engagement. I'm talking about this moment where you step into another dimension, where everything changes, and you see God differently, and you believe differently. And now that thing that was over you, that giant that was around you, now just becomes something so small and something so minuscule because you entered into this place of worship. Joshua says, we're going to go, and we're going to see the walls fall flat, but I need some worshipers to go out before me. We have to understand the power of worship in the middle of your in-between. Don't let the devil rob your worship. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Don't let him take you out of that place. Lift your hands and get engaged into the presence of God and see what he's about to do in your in-between. Because that's where we're at. Worship. Worship. It's when everything changes. It's when everything shifts and God moves. 
The worshipers prepared the way. Elisha had to do a miracle. He, had to, he was believing God to speak to him. The Bible says before he got a download from God, he said, bring me a musician. He says, bring me somebody who knows how to shift an atmosphere. Bring me somebody who knows how to change things. Bring me somebody who knows how to activate the presence of God in your life. If you're stuck in the in-between, if you're in that place where you're so fed up and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're in that holding pattern and you see the promise over there and you had the dream over here and you're still in that place, can I encourage you to get worship in your life? You get worship in your life and everything changes for you. Worship like the guitar. Like the guitar. Let, let, me, let me tell you this. There's a guy named Brian May. He was the lead guitarist for Queen. Not a Christian. Didn't know Jesus. This is what he was quoted saying. A guitarist. He says, my guitar is my weapon. He said, this is the shield that I stand behind. He understood the power in worship. He understood the power in music. He understood it wasn't just to make you feel good. No, it's a weapon to cut through something. It's a shield to stand behind. Man, when you worship God, if you've had a bad week, man, come in here and lift your hands up. You don't even got to wait. You don't even got to wait for the worship song. Do it in the praise song. Just go after God because when you do, you start lifting weights and preparing yourself for what God is about to do in your world. Come in, man. Worshiping is not just a sissy thing. No, it's a man's thing. David, the king that all of the kings were compared to was a worshiper. He went after God. He said, God, here I am, a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. Every instrument on here can change something. The drums in the Revolutionary War, the U.S. and, and, and the U.K., they went against each other. And if you know anything about those battles, they would meet on a battleground and they would face each other head on. And man, every man would have a musket, and then they would fight each other. It was a crazy kind of warfare. And you'd see all these men, hundreds of men with muskets, and then you'd see one man or two men, and they'd be standing there with a drum. And you're thinking, man, that's who, who kind of drew the short straw? Like, if I'm about to fight, I don't want a drum. Like, what am I, like, I'm not hurting anybody right now. That's what I thought. And then I looked it up, and then I wanted to see why. Why was it that they had drums? Was it because they were just like singing songs right before they died? No, that wasn't that at all. The reason that they had drums, the reason that they had music, the reason that maybe you can put it this way, the reason that they had worship, the reason that they had that was because even in the middle of all the screams, even in the middle of all the fear, even in the middle of all the chaos, even in the middle of the most heated battle, even in the middle when everything was going wrong, they could hear the drums above all the screams, above all the fear, above all the chaos, above all the turmoil. They could still hear the worship. They could still hear the drums. They could still hear it because it was a reminder. It would pass over everything. It would go over everything. And they knew where to go. They knew where to fight. They knew where to turn. Don't estimate the power of worship in your life. Don't estimate the power of drums. Don't estimate it. Why? Because every beat of a drum is a move of God. Every chord they play is a move of God. Trying to tell you where to step. Trying to tell you where to turn. Trying to tell you where to go. It's worship. Joshua says, send me some worshipers. Put them in front because they're going to shift the atmosphere. You want to see the walls come down? Be somebody who knows how to worship.
It's worship. It's worship. Everything changes when we worship. It's what we do. Second thing. Second thing the Bible says in verse 13, it says that seven priests bearing seven trumpets went out before them. On the first day, they walked around the wall, the city one time. Verse 14, it says, and the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. Second thing we do in our in-between, consistency. I know it might not sound as spiritual as worship, but it's just as important. Do you know that long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity? Here's what I believe that the Bible doesn't say, but I put myself in that picture, and I believe on the first day, everybody's pumped. We're walking around the wall. This is awesome. We're walking. We're doing it. This is great. Day two, less people show up. Day three, even less. Day four less, day five, day six, on day six or on day seven, there's probably a whole lot of people who are sitting this one out. Why? Because they don't see any progress. How many times are in between are we just done? I used to, I used to, I used to, when God gave me the dream, when God gave me the purpose, when God gave me the vision, man, I was here every single week. I was with God. I was giving every week. I was consistent in everything, but then something happened. I never saw progress, so I stopped. But I love the children of Israel. The reason that the walls came down was because they just kept showing up every single day. They kept showing up. Man, was it difficult? Absolutely. Was it hard on them? Absolutely. Was everybody doing it? Maybe not. But people every day kept showing up. Can you keep showing up when you're hurt? Can you keep showing up when you're afraid? Can you keep showing up when everything bad is happening around you? Can you keep showing up and just say, listen, I might not be perfect. All hell might be breaking loose around me, but I can do one thing and it's show up. God is not looking for the perfect person. He's just looking for that person who can just show up. In the middle of your storm, can you just show up? Because I promise you, if you can, if you can just keep showing up, God will too. He'll show up. And it might not seem like progress is happening, but God is trying to do something in you. Like I said, he's more concerned of what happens in you than what is happening around you. We keep showing up. We keep walking around. And then God moves and then God meets us. I'm hurting, but I'm here. I'm broken, but I'm here. I'm in debt, but I'm here. I'm in dismay, but I'm here. I'm walking through the worst season of my life, but I'm still here. And God looks and says, there's somebody in the in-between who's ready. There's somebody in the middle of their storm, in the middle of their pain, but they're ready. They're still showing up. They're ready for God to do something in the world. There was no change until the last day. There was no shift. The walls weren't starting to crumble after day one. There was no progress because God is concerned about what happens to you. The walls falling flat, like I said, that was just a byproduct of their obedience. Because what happened in them was going to last. Maybe we should stop praying for God to do something for us and start praying for God to do something in us. Because when God does something in you, it doesn't matter what happens to you. 
consistency. The walls might not be down, but you're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. God's preparing you for your miracle. Right now I have my, my twins, they're in diapers. And uh, I have to change their diaper. I don't mind it because they're two and a half. But in 15 years, if I'm still changing their diapers, there's an issue. So when you first give your life to God, it's okay. God's going to change your diapers. But there's got to be a time where you stop feeling sorry for yourself. We start believing God that he can do something impossible. Maybe it's time for us to stop being rescued and for us to start taking ground. Last thing I'll say is this. They kept showing up on the seventh day. They marched around it seven times. On the seventh time, Joshua says, I told you to be quiet, but now I need you to shout. The reason that he told them to be quiet, you got to understand this. The reason he told them to be quiet, because if they would have shouted on day one, nothing would have happened because nothing had happened in them. On day seven, God said, I need you to shout because the ones that shouted, God had done something in them. They had been there. They had been around worship for seven days. They had walked around. They kept showing up day after day after day after day. Now their shout was not coming from their vocal cords. It was now coming from their spirit. When there's no strength left in you and you still shout. When there's no, when it seems like all hope is lost, but you still shout. See, I'm not talking about the shout of a fan. The shout of a fan can bring about noise, but the shout of a leader, the shout of somebody who keeps showing up, the shout of that person who just keeps being consistent is a shout that breaks down walls. And he says, I need you to shout now, not on the first day, on the seventh day, because when you shout then, man, there's no walls that can hold it. There's no, there's no devil that can stop it. There's no demon that can keep that that miracle from happening to your life. There's no doctor's report that can keep you from getting your miracle when you have a different spirit on the inside of you. Tonight, God is trying to get you to that place where the shout you have is not a shout that is making noise, but is a shout that is piercing through darkness, a shout that God's anointing on, a shout that God is all over. That's what God is trying to do in us, trying to bring that shout into your world. Dyslexic faith. I have to possess it before I occupy it. The reason he had him shout was because after seven days, was the, the seven-day journey was for them to possess it in their spirit before they had it in their hand. Come on, you're in between is a time where God is just trying to get you. Possess it here. What is that you need? What's the scholarship if you're in university that you need? Maybe you're believing for your parents to come to know Jesus. What are you believing for tonight? Possess it here, and then you can occupy it here. And that happens tonight in this place. That's why church isn't an option for me, for my kids. I don't tell them we have to. I tell them we get to go to church every single week. Why? Because I need them to understand if we just keep showing up, man, in those times in my in-between, man, I'm, I'm pumped in my in-between because I know in that moment God is strengthening me for what he has for me. Strengthening me for what he has for me. Why don't you just close your eyes tonight as I finish. If you're in here tonight and you're far from Jesus, you don't know him, you're not connected with him, I'm going to say this prayer, I'm going to pray for and then I'm going to invite people out front as we close the service so we can pray for you. If you feel like you're in the in-between right now and you want to get your life right with God and you want to fight that thing and you want to be like the children of Israel who possess it. But before we do that, I want to ask you if you're in here tonight, 
and you're not connected to your Savior, you're not connected to Jesus, because that's the first step. That's the first step. If you don't need to give your life back to Jesus tonight, give him your everything. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up nice and high in the air. This is not about what's wrong with you. This is about what's right with you. So if that's you tonight, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air if you're saying, tonight, I want to be connected to Jesus. On the count of three, if that's you, ready? One, two, three. If that's it, just shoot it up nice and high. Saying, that's me tonight. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to connect myself to my Savior tonight. I'm going to wait 30 seconds right now. Some people, you need to do it. You need to respond to God. You give him your life. Are you connected? If you were to die tonight, what would happen? What would your response be right now? Thank you, Jesus. Lives being changed. Let boldness rise up on the inside of you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have everybody stand tonight? Thank you, God. I'm going to hand over... But I, I want you right now, if, if you feel like you're in the in-between, can you just lift your hands where you are? Lift your hands if you feel, that's me, I'm in the in-between. I'm in the in-between. Come on, that's the right response. God, right now, over every hand that's lifted up, let your power move in their life. Be present in their world. Give them worship in the middle of their storm. Give them a spirit that says, I'm hurt, but I'm still here. I'm broken, but I'm still here. A consistent spirit. And God, I pray right now for every hand that is lifted up, that a shout would rise up on the inside of them right now. A shout that breaks down walls. A shout that breaks through barriers. A shout that brings things to pass. God, right now, I thank you for a new voice for every hand that is lifted up. I thank you for this magnificent church. God, I thank you for the seven days they marched around Jericho. was for every day of the week reminding the devil that I'm still here, that I'm not done, that I'm not done. God is still here and God is not done. Right now, move on behalf of every single person. God, shift something in the atmosphere tonight. Let it all change. Let it all move. This is the day. This is the day that they're moving into the new destiny, into their promise, stepping into the promised land. Right now, in Jesus' name, we honor you, God. Move in their lives. Change things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you give God a shout? I'm going to hand over to Pastor John. Awesome.